Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. This is not a commute edition, as like probably many of you, I'm in uh, staying at home in light of the world health crisis, trying to practice social distancing, which I hope everybody listening to this is please taking very seriously and doing. Um, uh, people listening to this podcast are probably pretty tech and stats savvy, and so you don't need me to tell you uh, the <laughs> important, um, you know, potentially civilization-altering consequences uh, for all of us not to be, um, you know, defeating the exponential growth of this uh, this disease. So anyway, um, I am bravely soldiering on, as I expect you are too, and so today I want to start... Um, chapter 8 of the podcast, and my plan is to talk for a bit about um, termination checking in the context of type theory. I mean, naturally enough, (laughs) since this is the Iowa type theory commutes. And so um, there's a lot of this we can talk about, and for me, this is going to play into my interest in strong functional programming, which I talked about a little bit earlier. So I want to talk about that some more, um, but I want to start with kind of the the classic approach to termination checking with data types in uh, you know, in type theory. And I mean, before we even get to that, we have to sort of say, you know, we've been talking last. We just wrapped up chapter seven on meta theory of um, type programming languages and type theories, and you know, so for pure types system for pure type theories. Um, that, and by that, I'm, I'm using that term, and it's not entirely standard usage. I'm using that term to mean type systems that uh, are based on pure lambda calculus. So they don't have a data type subsystem. Because the data type subsystem adds you know, the ability to add constructors, which are basically you know, sort of like added axiomatically to your theory. And, and they're adding axiomatically those constructions and recursion over them and all this kind of thing. And you know that... that it's not to criticize that, but I'm just saying, and although I, as you know from probably from other things I've said, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that, and I have, we have been able to avoid that with our Sudil project. Um, but still, I don't, it's not like I think there's, that's, you know, an unreasonable approach. I mean, that's, that's quite standard, and there's a lot of, um, you know, that's been the state of the art for decades. So, um, but before, you know, but, you know, we have this sort of starting point, which is a pure type theory. You just have terms of untyped lambda calculus, or okay, let's. I, I, we don't have to quibble about Church versus Curry style typing. You've got just a lambda calculus with no uh, data type constructors, and um, uh, and you have a type system for that. And the type system, you know, might be simply type lambda calculus, or might be system F. There are all these different type systems, which probably if listen, you're listening to this, you're somewhat familiar with. But it, nothing I'm going to say is really dependent on that. Uh, this, the point is that, um, you know, within those cases, as we were talking about in Chapter 7, you're typing, just typing alone, um, for most of these type theories, the goal, you know, because of the Curry-Hard isomorphism, the goal is to, a very important goal, a very important metatheoretic property is normalization, because you're going to need that for logical consistency. Um, so, or that's again, that's generally the approach uh, that's standardly taken. And so there, it's kind of, there isn't really any need to do any termination checking. The typing 
is enforcing termination, so you don't need to do anything additionally to make sure your programs terminate. You just type check them, and if they type check, then awesome. I mean, that's the power of typing in system F, let's say, or one of these other languages, um, one of these other type theories. You get um, static assurance that all your programs terminate. It's really quite amazing. Uh, and there's nothing else you need to do that just comes out of typing. So well-typed programs don't diverge. <laughs> that's the that'd be the play on uh, well-typed programs don't go wrong, the famous aphorism of Robin Milner's. So the great computer scientist Robin Milner's. So anyway, uh, now, but what happened in the late 80s was that people who were devising um, the caulk, the calculus of constructions, uh, realized that, you know, we just can't, I mean, they knew that we cannot get uh, induction within that system as it stands, the calculus of constructions. Calculus of constructions has polymorphic types, dependent types, but it has no built-in data types. And you can't drive induction within that theory. And everybody, you know, those guys definitely wanted to have induction because they wanted to have proof assistants that could prove interesting properties in mathematics or in computer science. Um, and so... Uh, so anyway, so then they started, they added data types to the theory. And so there were so, actually several different proposals for how to do this. There's a paper of Fenning uh, and Christine Pallan Mooring uh, that gives one proposal for basically adding this stuff axiomatically. Um, and uh, this, uh, this sort of eventually developed into the calculus of inductive constructions, which was worked out, whose meta theory was worked out by Benjamin Werner in his 1995, I believe it was, doctoral dissertation. It's a you know really seminal work. That, that dissertation's in French, but you can still kind of grok if you don't read French or don't read it terribly well. You can um, you can still understand the the figures and definition technical definitions to sort of see what the calculus of inductive constructions, as sort of in its official study, there looks like. Um, and, uh, you know, so anyway, for these languages, though, once we add data types, we um, just typing alone uh, isn't going to be enough to decide termination. At least it, has, it wasn't in those languages. Now, actually, in Sedil, it still is. Ha-ha. <laughs> we still have type-based termination with, uh, with the data type system. I mean, in Sedil, I, I, you know, Sedil has a data type system that translates completely away into pure type theory using lambda encodings. So um, anyway, so this, this was like the great, this is the great objective we've been working towards for quite a few, a few years here now. Um, anyway, this isn't meant to be Sedil advertisement, but uh, just to say that, um, you know, for most of these theories, you, you need some other determination checking has to happen because uh, just typing isn't going to ensure termination of these things. So you have, I mean, because essentially you're writing functional programs as in Haskell or something, and there's no, you know, in these standard approaches, you know, say you're writing a function on lists. Well, you take in this list and you do pattern matching on it. We talked about this back, way back in whatever that was, chapter three on functional programming. You know, take in your list, do pattern matching on it, um, and uh, and you can make recursive calls on the subdata that you fish out by doing pattern matching. 
well, you know, what's to keep you from doing recursive calls on something that's going to make you diverge, right? So, you know, say you take in a list, and if it's an empty list, you return, I don't know, you return one, and if it's cons of some head X onto some tail Xs, then you return one plus, and you make a recursive call on, I don't know, let's make a recursive call on X cons onto X cons onto Xs. Let's grow our list <laughs> and make a recursive call. It's going to diverge, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, not every function that has an increase in one of its arguments is diverging, but, but that simple case certainly would be. You start out with X cons onto Xs, and you make a recursive call on X cons onto X cons onto Xs. And you're not looking at the head, the, the X or any, the head of the list or anything like that. You're just piling on elements and making recursive calls. That's going to diverge. And if all you were doing was type checking your code, you'd say, "Well, from a typing perspective, it looks fine. I'm, I'm writing this recursive function. I'm allowed to make recursive calls on lists to get back. In this case, I'm saying I'm getting back some number, and you know, so that's what I did. I made a recursive call on a list, and I got back a number, and I added another number to it. That's all fine from a typing perspective. But the function's obviously diverging." So, you know, so you kind of have to, I mean, another way to say it is, uh, to sort of explain the problem is, think about starting from the point of view of functional programming and then trying to go to strong functional programming where we ensure that all of our functional programs terminate. I mean, type theory is, you know, gives you a form of strong functional programming, although as I'm sort of defining these things, I consider type theory to go beyond strong functional programming because, um, and thanks to... Matt Rice for asking a question about this on email. You know, so uh, you know, I, I'm the way I'm defining it. And again, this is just, this is pretty similar to what um, David Turner was saying in his original paper on strong functional programming. Uh, we, you know, we're not going to use dependent types for strong functional programming. We're just going to use polymorphic types as we find them in something like Haskell or one of these other, um, you know, or OCaml or something like that. So we're not. Um, that's kind of the name of the strong functional programming game that I th am trying to play. I'm interested in playing along with a tiny number of others in the, um, in the not too distant past. Uh, we want to just write functional programs, but have some way of checking that they are statically at compile time that they are terminating on all their inputs. So, um, anyway, so you know, another way to say the problem of of checking termination in type theory, again, it's just like think about starting with with functional programming, pure functional programming, and wanting to go to strong functional programming. So I want to, I've got this functional program, and I somehow need to check that it's terminating. How am I going to do that? Well, the classic and simplest answer, which I wanted to talk about today a little bit, um, is uh, even though I'm not commuting, so I kind of have to. <laughs> I'm sorry for reasons of. Um, desperate needs of doing other work and stuff, I'm going to have to limit this to sort of commute-length discussion, even though I'm just in my basement ironing. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so the, the classic sort of solution to this is to do some syntactic check on the form of your recursive function. So, and the obvious one to do is to just check that everywhere, you know, you're, you're doing a pattern match, you're doing pattern matching, you're doing recursion. Let's just check that everywhere we make a recursive call, we're making it on a, on an, um, uh, a pattern variable of some pattern match that we're doing as part of the recursion. You know, so we, we take in, like the example, of the, the, the silly example I was giving, which was actually some kind of botched form of length of list. <laughs> um, 
you know, so we take in the empty list, let's say we return zero, since now I'm, let's say we're going to actually compute the length. And then for the, the case we have x constant to x's, we're going to return one plus. Now we're going to make a recursive call for length, we'll make a recursive call to get the length of x's, the tail of the list. And with this structural check, you know, this approach to termination checking based on just a sort of structural check, a de you know, we're checking that the, the recursion is structurally terminating. And that is, you're, you're only making recursive calls on things that are structural, you know, um, strict structural subparts of your input, uh, of your input value. So, um, so you're basically just making a recursive call on a subtree. I mean, these are tree-like data structures, and you're making a recursive call on a subtree. And this, that's fine. That can't go on forever. And so that ensures termination. Um, and, and this is a pretty standard approach. And I, um, I mean, it certainly can be made much more sophisticated than what I just said. But that's the basic idea. You're looking at your recursive function, and you're making sure that the recursions are not are only happening on um, essentially just on pattern variables that are for the patterns you're you're matching on as part of that recursion. Or said even more generally, just look at your recursive function definition syntactically. Look at the syntax. Look at you know how it's written and try to check that yes, those recursions are safe. They're only going to um, happen in a way that that leads to convergence. So. Um, I mean, said that way, it's maybe too general because, you know, there's there might be other approaches which could be described that way. That, but this the classic way of doing this is make sure you make recursive calls just on pattern variables, and that means you're you're making recursive calls, decomposing your data, gets getting smaller and smaller, and finally you'll hit a base case and, and stop. Okay, so that's that's the sort of structural recursion approach to uh, ensuring termination of recursive functions when you have data types. And um, this, as I said, this is a, a very classic approach. And when you first hear it, it's, it's like really kind of hard to criticize. It seems totally sensible. Um, I mean, if you think about, you know, under the Curie-Hyatt isomorphism, think about these st structural recursions as just structural inductions. You're doing induction, you, you're trying to prove something is true for successor of x, by assuming it's true for x. So this is that kind of basic form of mathematical induction is a sort of structural termination. You know, I'm, I'm going to invoke my induction hypothesis for the predecessor of my current natural number. That predecessor is just an immediate sub-component um, of that piece of data. And so that's going to terminate. Um, and so, you know, so this seems like this has perfectly solid credentials, uh, this approach. And it, it, you know, it's, it is solid, but it does break down. Uh, it does break down actually rather quickly. Uh, and people working in, researchers working in type theory um, or, you know, advanced uh, users will know this immediately. Um, this basic approach, uh, again, while solid and, and seeming quite sen sensible, um, is brittle and has some serious problems. And I would like to talk about those serious problems on a next episode. Okay, so thank you for, for tuning in and listening to the Iowa Type Theory Commute under these, um, I keep, in emails and stuff, I'm describing them as unprecedented, uh, historically unprecedented conditions. I think I could still justify that because, you know, even big flus and plagues of the past um, 
we didn't have, I don't think we had this rapid degree of spread. Anyway, uh, so um, please stay safe. Please, please, please practice social distancing. Cut the network. Don't let it spread through you to somebody else, okay? Let's all try to do this, and um, hopefully we get through this together. Thanks for listening, and I will be back with another episode pretty soon. As I said, I'm, I'm working under a pretty difficult situation here, um, and it might be hard for me to, to release podcasts as regularly as I usually was doing, but I'm going to try for you, my devoted listeners. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a good night. Stay safe.